0: It's Brittany here, and I'm back with a new episode after what seems like a long hiatus. Plus, it's Halloween. We've got a new episode and interview with folk rock singer-songwriter Ralph Pellymounter. Plus, I talk a bit about what has been keeping me busy over these past few months. Once again, let's get into it. This is a reclusive blogger interviews, and this is episode 14. Last few months for me, besides switching my entire website from WordPress to Squarespace and then learning how to navigate that as a writer, I'm also a photographer as well. So I've been trying to get back into the swing of things with a lot of shows. There was Bastille for me the second time in May. And then there was also another festival. I photographed the Cruel World Festival, which actually was a lot of fun. Um, one of the bands that I got to photograph was Bauhaus, and there's just a really, really a lot of cool 80s bands. Um, Another goal I got to accomplish was um, another one of my favorite bands, My Chemical Romance. I recently photographed this month, and then a few days ago, I got to photograph Conan Gray. So, um yeah that's mainly what's been keeping me busy for these last few days and or actually sorry last few months and um just kind of adjusting to that side of my life but um if any of you are kind of interested in that part of my life I could do a special episode or um you can just check out my photography which I will leave a link in this episode's description box But I know you guys are here for me doing my interviews. So this interview um, is going to be with Ralph Mounter, and I think it's going to be a fascinating one. Um, You may have heard of him from his years in To Kill a King, or perhaps through his songwriting collaborations, which have included artists like Bastille and Rag and Bone Man. But um, he's been making a name for himself, as a solo singer with his debut album Dead Debutants Ball and solo singles like Steady Love and now his latest track Death Falls in Love which is out today. I had a lovely chat with Ralph about his music, life growing up, and songwriting, and of course lots more. So I really hope you enjoy this one. (laughs) Okay, hi. Um, there we go. I guess my first question is How has your uh, how has this year been for you? Because I know 2022 has kind of been more of the kind of getting back into the music industry and creative kind of life for a lot of artists and musicians.
1: Yeah, it's um. I mean, yeah, it's been a, it's been an odd one at the end of a series of odd years, I suppose. Because um, I was banging when COVID kind of first hit. kind of go back before that, I was banging in the middle of a bunch of tours and about to go to Europe, um, and I just released my first record, and then everything just it just completely stopped. And I think the assumption was by this year that kind of things would be rolling back how they used to be. Um, But it's it's just not the reality. It's like um, particularly for, I think, artists that are sort of my sort of level of more sort of DIY stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I won't mention who it is, but there was a person I was going to be supporting uh, before all like uh, everything with COVID kicked off. But they're now deciding to take support slots with other artists rather than risk their own tours. Um, And I've just seen that like animal collective have just pulled their tour. Um, It's just very uncertain out there. And I think if you're a self-funded artist um, is just a lot more risks and involved with touring and that sort of thing. And unfortunately a Brexit as well. um, It's like meant that touring Europe is more difficult. So yeah, everything's just not quite bounced back to the way it was. Um, one of the things I would say is a plus side, though, to be on a less negative note, is mm-hmm. a lot of bands that I really love have started touring again. So, like, quite a few bigger bands who, like, it feels like they've all happened at once. So, Modest Mouse, do you know them? On yeah, uh, Magnetic yes. Fields, I got to see both of them um, last summer and they were both on my sort of hit list of these are people I need to see. And they just never seem to tour the UK properly. And then suddenly both of them in one, one summer. So that's a little, uh, positive, but yeah. Um, yeah. On the whole, I'd say it's just not quite how it's not got back to how it was before basically. Um, and it might be a long time until it does.
0: Um, cause I know you mentioned, uh, Brexit, uh,
1: Oh, God, I yeah. know it's
0: complicated uh for <laughs> audience my audiences and people that don't kind of that don't really know much about it but um yeah. I've seen a lot of people there's a lot of people online that I follow that are living in the u k Can you kind of explain in the simplest way possible <laughs> <laughs> um how that affects a lot of touring musicians? Yeah
1: yeah so I think a lot of um a lot of uh i mean yeah it's still quite a hot button issue here, and I think mm-hmm. it will continue to be um but I mean yeah, I was very anti brexit and um I think the realities for like musicians is it's just like i remember when i when I toured America, I was sort of like mm-hmm. wow, one of the things about America is when you're traveling around is it felt like essentially you were traveling around Europe because it's so vast, but like, so it was one of those things of like when people were saying, you know, like there's Americans who've not been outside of America. And I was like, yeah, but there's like people in the UK have not been outside of Europe. You know what I mean? It's such a big landmass, but it would be essentially like one of the States cutting themselves off from the rest of the states. And if you needed to go to any other state to tour mm-hmm. or to sell merchandise, you have to pay extra money. So oh, you, wow. need to, you need to, be, and, it, and so it just means that and then also when you're then traveling between those states, they need to then do stuff like check all your, basically all the merchandise you're taking and also all your, your passports and all that sort of stuff. So it kind of slows you down and particularly on, like, I went recently to do um, a shot video in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky. I kind of gave myself, like, about half a day just to kind of, like, arrive and settle in. But it, it, normally, you just used to literally walk through and sort of you'd scan your passport and that was it. But it took about, like, an extra two hours of just sort of, like, getting everything checked and that sort of stuff. And you're hearing horror stories of... Uh, Things taking longer than that. And one of the things with Torin is it's quite like a, I don't know, it's already on like a bit of a knife edge in terms of making timings and making profits. And as soon as you start throwing in something that means that's so uncertain being like, well, what if they want to check all your merchandise or all something like that? You could be looking at like hours and hours later. Um, and so a lot of people are just saying it's not really worth it or, or, or trying. And you're hearing these horror stories of people missing shows, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, essentially, I think that's the best way I can put it. It's like one state suddenly being like, yeah, it's going to cost money to go to any other state. <laughs> and the worst thing is we've kind of inflicted it on ourselves. So it's not like you can even really complain. You're like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not something they're doing to us. It's what, it's a self-inflicted wound. <laughs> so yeah, it's, that's, that's the best way I can explain it. So
0: I think when you put it that way, um, oh sorry. And when you put it that way, that was the best way that I understood it being an American yeah. <laughs> and trying to grasp that. Cause I, I heard, a, I have heard a lot of horror stories, um, just from other musicians that I fall- fo- that I uh, follow and have interacted with. So I think I, I grasped it that way. Um, yeah, oh, yeah I mean, just,
1: no, no, just, I'd say again, it's another reason why I think going back to what I was saying, things haven't bounced back quite the same way, but it is interesting <laughs> that now I think during COVID, Um, there was just this different way that you could interact with fans, I guess. So like I did like these Sunday sessions like every week and you could do that and like things like Patreon and all that sort of stuff. So I think people are finding new ways to, yeah, I guess for DIY music to still exist, but, but, uh, well, not necessarily new ways, but yeah, it's just ways that you're like, this is Mm -hmm. an acceptable risk. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I uh, have attended some of those that you were uh, oh, that yeah. you did, but uh, my my thing is is that because um, of the time difference, I always have to remember that it's it's early here because I'm in California. So. Yeah. Uh, I since you had mentioned the uh, your new music and uh, filming the uh, music video in Berlin, I guess can you kind of talk about? Some of the new music that you're making, and then how the video shoot went in Berlin.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's I'm sort of working on album two at the moment, but we're kind of uh, kind of just release a few singles as we go. And this is the, I guess, the second one. It's called "Death Falls in Love." Um, it, the song is kind of like a retelling of like creation stories mixed in with like um sort of tales of like death and stuff so it's like um yeah it tells like this story about like a young couple it could be like kind of the start of everything and then they're sort of followed by death as well so he's sort of stalking them and he falls in love with the girl but then uh one day he approaches her and when he touches her she falls down dead but he doesn't really mean to do it um, but then in his sort of way of trying to um, make amends, he gives the guy his horse and the chorus is all about him trying to ride and save her, but you don't know if he really does. So that's kind of the story in a, in a sort of like nutshell, I suppose. But it's, I suppose it mixes together. Like I say like creationist, uh, creational stories, um, you know, sort of Adam and Eve and that sort of thing. And then mm-hmm. stories that I love, like, of like say the boatman and death and that sort of thing of sort of like I guess passing on, um, yeah, the, the, uh, passing guiding people to the other side and that sort of stuff. So it's like yeah, it's uh, that's the basic the basic story of the song. And then the the video we kind of went slightly different with it, but we I suppose a lot of influence of the video were pe- people like uh, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, those sort of writers, and we kind of had him in modern day Berlin. But again, he's, we got this actually this clown actor to um, portray him. And it's like, so you can't see his face, but he's a very physical actor. And we wanted him to have a sort of like um, naive innocence about him. And we wanted you to be basically kind of on his side in, because what he wants to do is do what all the people around him are doing. Um, mm-hmm. Every time that he touches someone, they they basically die. So we wanted him to be like, likable enough that you essentially forgive him for the fact that he's on a, kind of like a killing spree across Berlin. But you kind of, you know, you get what he what he wants. He wants that human contact, and um, I won't spoil it, but he may or may not get it by the end of the video. But, yeah, um, but that was a great fun video. Um, and I did it with um, my friend Sasha, who's got a studio there. Um, and it was really nice. It was the first one, so we sort of co-directed it and co-wrote it. And there's, there's, I've kind of done more sort of scripts for... Uh, music video ideas and stuff before but this was the first one where we got to kind of really like film it together and all that sort of stuff and it was great it was loads of fun also it was my first time back in berlin since the whole of covid and it was great because i love that city
0: Oh, well, um since you mentioned um uh berlin being one of your uh, favorite cities do you mm. have any like favorite places that you like to go to in berlin
1: Ooh, so that's, I mean, so I'll give it a shout out because it was wonderful. We we um, shot a lot of the video there. It's a place mm-hmm. called The Lighthouse, um, which is just like a, it's a pub, but it's like, uh, yeah, just really sort of authentic, great German pub. That's really good. Yeah.
0: Um, I guess kind of touching back on the single, mm. um, our theme, kind of like themes of love and loss and then i guess i would add religion something you kind of stick to with your music or do you kind of just kind of talk about anything in whatever comes to mind
1: yeah i mean i think um quite often it's like death and love it t- tends to be definitely recurring themes and like i think with the religion stuff it's like they're sometimes quite useful like framework. So I'm not really religion, religious myself, but yeah. I was brought up going to church and that sort of thing. And so I think it's just like, yeah, I think it's just sometimes like quite a good sort of framework to sort of bounce sort of ideas off. Um, so that sometimes does sort of come through in in certain ones, uh, particularly like when there was a Killer King album that we did called Spiritual Dark Age, where there was a lot mm-hmm. of that sort of religious imagery and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's always been more a device to, uh, yeah. Or like a framework to like bounce ideas off and that sort of thing. I think it's um, like, so there are, um, even though it's like not necessarily really a religious country anymore, I think there's still a lot of like, that's a shared catalog of images that we all kind of have um, when you're trying to sort of express stuff um, to people, you know, within the UK and I guess elsewhere as well. But yeah. Uh,
0: I would, uh, I would say the US kind of, is more kind of based on that. Uh, cause it was, I, especially more when it comes to how, I guess how the way, cause with the, the way movies and, and music and stuff, although me, the way people, I, um, I'm going to get this right. Uh, I guess the way you guys are, are, cause I remember when I went to, um, I guess I was in Paris a long time ago. And that was the first time i had ever seen like a unisex bathroom. And it was just kind of normal for you guys. And then, but in America, I guess, because maybe it's just based on these kind of puritanical ideas and stuff. um, People would have freaked out. Like it was just, it was just not something that we have here. So I would say maybe the U S is kind of more so based on that stuff and how we kind of more glorify violence and things like that but
1: um, yeah well i mean yeah. but also it's i suppose it's that thing of being cuz just think about it, like so with there these shared stories that we have mm-hmm. but they often are just like retold and retold cuz mm-hmm. i mean like movies and they can all like and there's also like arguments for being like there's like essentially there's a lot of like stuff in the Bible, which you can find similar stories in other religious texts and that sort of thing. And it's like, I think for me, it's like, it's just a continuation of like storytelling. And so, um, why wouldn't I dip into those wells of being like, these are, these are things, you know, you can see like the matrix and it's like, basically a sort of like Jesus resurrection story towards the end and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, I just see it as a continuation. And I'm with, this one death falls in love. I think it was maybe one of the first ones where I've actually gone to be like, okay, what would it be like to actually write like an, an old fable or an old sort of like myth, but make my Mm -hmm. own one rather than kind of dipping into other people's and then (laughs) recycling it, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and I guess since you had, um, mentioned kind of growing up and stuff and, and going to church, uh, I guess maybe touch. I just kind of wanted to ask you more about your childhood, and you can kind of talk about what's comfortable for you, and 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 what what that upbringing was like, and if um, there music was always there for you, and if there was any kind of artists or bands that were very um, kind of that that you're still into now, and that were pivotal in those years for you.
1: Sure yeah um so i'd probably like a classic strayed catholic so we were, we were brought up catholic um and we go to church on a sunday and that sort of thing and um yeah i mean so my dad he, he he's like an engineer but he used to be in like folk bands when he was younger um mm. uh, my mom used to sing at church and so, the music was always there, and we used to have these gatherings actually quite a lot when we were when we were growing up, which I now see as being quite influential where like essentially people would just give up their living rooms and everyone would come round and it was like a bit of a party, but everyone would just play songs but it was um, so that was really nice, and also one of those things where I think when you 're a kid, you just assume that everybody's doing something similar mm-hmm. like that and then you kind of like, like, Oh no, that was actually something very special. That was quite unique to, I think my parents and and their, their friends. Um, and it's still something they do now, but like less often, you know what I mean? They'll do it like Mm -hmm. once or twice a year. Now everyone kind of gets together. Um, but I think that was very, yeah, very influential. And we were definitely encouraged to like, um, play and, you know, get involved and all that that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. And in terms of like bands, I mean, I think it's like it sounds like uh, quite cliche now but it's like Bob Dylan I remember when I first found him and, and there was a point actually I remember when my dad gave me well lent me anyway all his old records and so it was a lot of stuff from the 60s that I was listening to quite young like probably from the age of like 12 onwards um, mm-hmm. when I really start getting into music like that and, um, yeah, like Dylan, um, it's like big, big sort of influence there. And like Paul Simon, people like that. Um, yeah. Like Nina Simone. Um, yeah, you know, that, that sort of like great music from that era. Um, and then, yeah, like I think my love of that sort of music is just, always been there really. And again, amazing people to then sort of go back to, and then, you know, rediscover all their all, all the great music basically.
0: I can, I, those artists that you mentioned, I can hear that they're kind of like bits and pieces, bits and pieces of their sound in your sound and, uh, kind of pop in and out. And yeah. when you mention that, um, you find you come, you come to realize that not everybody's family does that. Cause I'm like that would be cool, but we, my family didn't grow up doing that because, well, for one thing, I can't sing. So, but yeah, I, I thought I, I think that's like really cool stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Just the little kind of memories from childhood that you maybe don't really kind of cherish at the when you're younger, but then as you start to get older, you realize that that was something that you should.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that's that's definitely it. Yeah, In fact, we're going this Friday. We're going to go to one of these events, uh, which is so I'm heading back up north um, for, yeah, for like everyone just gets up and just does one little song. So it's nice they're still doing it now, you know, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I do think it's one of those things of um, – accessibility of music as well of being like, cause Mm -hmm. like that we were encouraged to just get involved. I'm very, very aware that when I first probably started playing in front of people, but not even probably about it, I would have been absolutely terrible. Do you know what I mean? Totally awful. And then also I started writing songs pretty early and then playing them to them. And again, they must've been really, really awful but the thing is, I think everyone was kind of like, one, very supportive, but two, it's that thing of being like, I don't, I, I suppose what I mean is I think there's a certain view in some people's heads that you maybe have to be absolutely perfect at an instrument or like, it's almost like you're allowed to play stuff when you're maybe you're a kid and then it's like, you have to then leap to be professional and an adult and do you know what I mean? Like, and then uh, in between, but I think one of the big things with like folk music and definitely the way I was brought up was it was like, everyone should just get involved. And obviously you need some certain amount of like limited musical language to be able to like get involved. But even if you're just hitting a drum and that sort of thing, I think it's more like the community thing and, and just, yeah, not, not being afraid to, Get involved. And I think that's that's one thing that's sometimes missing with the way that people teach music and the way that I guess people think of music. You know what I mean? There's barriers put up, which I think is a shame.
0: Yeah, and then also to add to that, unfortunately, sometimes uh some of the barriers are not self-imposed and not uh are unfortunately imposed due to maybe like you said, with accessibility due to where you live or how much money you make now too, because they don't still teach music in school. And also some people just don't have the money or the access due to where they live or maybe their, or their um, skin color or whatever. And that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. I mean, also I don't know how it is in the States, but with the way that they teach it in school, I think is yeah.
0: uh-huh. it's like
1: you could definitely go through the entire of um, like your sort of school career and not mm-hmm. be encouraged to make any noises, which would be, do you know what I mean? It's like you it almost becomes mm-hmm. like a, like a history thing rather than a practical thing. And it, it should be a practical thing and you should be getting people involved. So, yeah.
0: Um, unfortunately, well, when I was, um, younger, uh, little, Back in school, and uh, I was in elementary school in the 90s. Uh, I don't know if it's just my district or the school that I went to, they had music still in class that you could learn. Hmm. I tried it. I wasn't good at it, you know, I wasn't really my thing, but it was still an option and it was still there. But I know as the decades have gone on, that it's, it's not there. You have to, I guess, I don't know how people find music now in in terms of kind of accessing it. If you're, you know, if you're not in certain places and things like that, I guess maybe, I don't, I'm not really sure, but it, it's, it's difficult.
1: Yeah. I can imagine. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Um, I guess my, my next question is if you could pick one lyric that you've written that you feel yeah. is, um, that you either feel most in- inspired by or that, um, you feel kind of relates to the world today.
1: Um, Oh God, the world today. It's all quite bleak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh um, I suppose, do you know what? One of my, um, not really necessarily to do with the world today, but more to do with, um, I guess finding your own way and that sort of thing. (laughs) And that there's no sort of right or wrong way to end up living your life. I think that's one of the things. And it's, um, it's like when all our good friends are married and pious about the things they did when they were young and loose. Um, and it's, I suppose it's kind of well. I, I wrote it, and it still speaks to me. And I think lots of artist friends, or just people who just wanting to not necessarily do everything that's expected of them at the certain times. And I think it's this thing of like you sometimes hit certain points where it's sort of like, well, you need to have done this by that mm-hmm. that time, and. These people are married. These people are having kids. These people are doing this. What have you done? Or like, where are you are in your career? And I think it's just about being like, well, you know, you can you can go on your own road, and you shouldn't really need to be thinking like that. You know what I mean? And you can you mm-hmm. can do things your own way and in your own time. Um, And so, for me, that's 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 what it was about. And I suppose I find that still. You know, because you can find yourself looking over your shoulder and being like, "Oh God, what should I?" You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, but take your own time. Yeah.
0: The thing that one speaks to me a lot because, especially being um, a creative, but in like other fields and stuff, and like being a photographer and a writer, it's always like, especially if you go online and you see like all these other photographers and they're getting like big, big gigs and 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 jobs and things and stuff and you you look and you're like oh well maybe I should be doing it this way cuz yeah. then yeah and and then you always have to like take a step back and be like well you're supposed to follow the path that you're supposed to follow and and just kind of clear out all the noise and stuff so yeah. it can be difficult
1: and like art as a um, I mean, yeah, like going into the more the art side of that sort of stuff, it's that idea that it's a like in some ways like competitive when it's not. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like or it shouldn't be anyway. Um but so many things lead it to you ending up thinking like that, which which is mm-hmm. I think most of us got into art because Well, no, this is too much of a general statement, that one. But as in some of us might have approached arts because we weren't that into sports. I know, like, for me, that was, like, one of the sort of things. And it's like – and there are these big differences of being, like, it's not – it shouldn't really be competitive in that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I got into it because I just wanted a way to kind of express myself and have, like, a way where I could, you know – make money and have my own business and things like that. Yeah. But, and also cause I was at the time I was dealing with some really significant mental health issues. I still do, but, yeah. um, it was worse at that time and it was a great way to kind of have an outlet for that and, and things like that. But
1: hundred yeah, percent,
0: you can, yeah, the competitiveness in all of it, yeah to you you just have to kind of like block all of that out because yeah. even if you weren't in a creative field, you realize that there's always going to be that kind of well you, you have to realize that that path that you want to, that you're supposed to be on is always going to be that path that's for you and no one else and and it can get difficult sometimes you just have to block it out. Yeah, yeah. Um my next question is what is one album that you can listen to over and over from start to finish?
1: Um I think like off the top of my head, like like rumors by Fleetwood Mac is like one of those ones which I just think is yeah, I mean every song is just absolutely perfect. So yeah, that's my that's my, yeah. And it's got, I mean, it's got so many different uh, moods to it as well. That's one of the wonderful things about it.
0: Do you have a favorite track on there?
1: Uh, I mean, The Chain. The Chain, again, is like, it's just awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, there's a radio station in LA that I um, listen to all the time, and they play that one a lot. I think yeah. it's called Jack FM, yeah.
1: Nice, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. What does music and the craft of songwriting mean to you?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I suppose I've just been now writing stuff for what feels like a very, very long time. Uh, like, yeah, it's just, I suppose it's just been like my sort of way of life. I think some of the stuff you were talking about earlier in terms of, it helping with my mental health and all that sort of thing. I do think songwriting is very therapeutic in that sort of way. And uh, I couldn't really imagine life not doing it. So yeah, it's that. But also it's it's still been, I think with music, one of the things that I'm very cautious to try and keep is that sense of magic with it. And just with creating stuff in general, just that sort of sense of being like, I love the idea that you kind of pluck something out of the ether and like there was nothing there. And then suddenly after, I don't know, however long it takes to get it from you playing on the guitar to then recording it was like a finished thing there and it's something that you can, you know, point to and be like, that was, that was made. That was what we created together. Um, and that's, that's, I just love that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I still have that sort of sense of wonder and excitement.
0: That's good. Yeah. Um, this is, um, uh, if you ever lose that yeah. sense of wonder, would you stop?
1: Um, so, I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, I guess you probably would just naturally do it. Like if you weren't really enjoying it, it's. I mean, you'd. Yeah, I mean, like for me, I'm very lucky that I, um, that I can make a living from doing music, and I'm very aware of that. You know what I mean? Uh, but equally, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like not. It's not like I'm absolutely rolling in it as well. So it's one of those things of being like. I think if it wasn't something that was really exciting me, then yeah, I'd go on to do something else, I suppose, you know what I mean? But equally, I've now been doing it for so long. I can't really imagine doing something else, you know? So it's not, yeah, I I can't imagine it's going to happen anytime soon, but yeah, I'm sure if I did stop, stop really loving it, then I definitely would stop. Yeah. Go on to something new.
0: Um, I guess my, to kind of say, talk, go off what you were saying. Um, I know you write for other artists and things like that or write with, write with other artists. Um, when you approach songwriting, um, for other artists and when you approach songwriting just specifically for yourself, Mm. is that any different?
1: Um, yeah, no, no, I think it's quite different. I mean, I really love writing with other people. Um, and I think, The difference for me is like sometimes when you're writing with other people, it's more like creative problem solving. So you quite often will have quite a bit of a talk before we start writing and get ideas down about what the song could be about. And then it's more like, well, trying to get the best out of them and the best for them and trying to kind of make the song that they want. But ultimately it's like, and like I will then express opinions about being like, obviously you kind of help shape that, but it's it's a song for them that they're going to then live with for, God knows, if it was if it's successful, maybe they'll be playing it like years and years and years later. So I think you've got to really bear that in mind. But I, I really do like it because also I think part of it is that, um I say, it's more like problem solving than, necessarily trying to delve anything too deep from your own sort of personal experience, but you do, I suppose you do sort of add a little into that, but it does feel a little bit less, uh, less heavy sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's great fun. Um, and also just doing other projects. So I did, um, did the score for a short movie like a number of years ago. And again, that was just very different. Um, and just lots of fun really. So it's like, yeah, they're all like different, um, just aspects that kind of can be, can be really fun to do.
0: Um, and I guess continuing on with that, do you have any like dream collaborations? Um,
1: dream collaborations, uh, I suppose it's just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously they're dream ones, so you couldn't that's how it works. So they're all ones where I like imagine it happening, uh, but like, I mean, someone like, say, Regina Specter or someone like that, I think, like, um would be just fantastic see. But yeah, I, I can't imagine it <laughs> anytime
0: soon. <laughs> do you have a favorite Regina Spector album?
1: Um, oh God, I'm going to have to do that. My brain these days, I don't know. I think my phone has destroyed my brain, but it's like, I can picture it, but it's, Hmm. <laughs> um, no actually no it's a tough one so it's either soviet kitsch or begin to hope that was the era that i really really so i remember soviet kitsch came out and i was at uni and we got really into that and then begin to hope was kind of the one that we're all really excited by of course we were up for it to come out but yeah it was that sort of era that i was like really loved it
0: okay, um my next question is how have you adopted, I guess adapted, sorry, your songwriting over the years to kind of make it kind of streamline it, make it more easy to produce songs.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether we definitely, I think I have definitely ended up streamlining it, but It's been, yeah. So, I mean, because we would used to, like, say, with Tequila King, we would um, take a song that I'd sort of written and then we would go into the studio and we would kind of jam it over for a long, long time. Um, But also it's one of those things that, that it was, again, looking back, these sort of things that you don't know it at the time, but that was actually such a privilege to be able to spend that amount of time with... Uh, these fantastic musicians and all in one room and doing that. But now it just seems like that would be impossible because we just, it would be like, we'd go in like every day of the week, um, almost like a nine to five into the studio and just spend ages just going around and around those songs. Um, I think now, but also it's uh, I guess like more confidence as well in your own abilities and also maybe your own opinions and stuff so now we do with some of the songs we go into the studio with it just being the bare bones that that i've written and then we start building up in the studio um one of the things that's nice about that is you maybe end up making decisions that you wouldn't if everyone was just sort of jamming um and playing at once but when you are doing that and spending so much time in it, I suppose like the love that say your bass player might put into his part um after spending like months and months going round and round it they might just put in that extra little bit that you you're not gonna do when you're just kind of like putting it down in the studio there but it's i say I think there's benefits to both, but definitely in terms of. Cutting down the time going into the studio to record all the parts. It's definitely a lot lot quicker like that. So that's that's been the one thing. But if I had the option and I had the time, going back to those days of everyone going into the uh, studio together would be quite good fun.
0: Halloween is coming up. Do you have a favorite Halloween movie?
1: Oh, favorite Halloween movie. Favorite scary movie, maybe. Um, oh, yeah. Actually, have you seen Hereditary?
0: No, I have not. I, I, I'm I for when it comes to like Halloween stuff, um, I get some of the newer stuff. I yeah. get a spooked out by, I like a lot of classic films though.
1: Yeah. I mean, this one probably will speak you out. It's really good though. I really recommend it to anyone. It's, it's great. And also it's great for multiple viewings because it's kind of written in quite a clever cyclical way. So yeah, it's good. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's, that's a
0: pretty good one. Okay. Um, Uh, This is another uh, fun question. Do you have a favorite overused
1: movie quote? No, I I don't know. (laughs) Favorite (laughs) overused movie quote. Um, hmm. I don't know. To be perfectly honest, me and my friends just seem to um, shout like uh, Simpsons like quotes back it back okay. and forth that's more what we do so like uh you know i don't know that's a good one that we keep on going back and forth with <laughs> um but yeah it's more those than um the movie ones yeah okay, than so tv movies.
0: quotes and yeah um yeah. what fictional character do you think would most identify with your sound
1: Ooh, fictional character most identify with <laughs> sound um I don't know. What about Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> Slightly depressed donkey. <laughs>
0: um, I, you know, I asked this one, uh, quite a bit and people have had some really interesting answers. So that's oh, yeah. why I like asking it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I do have a soft spot for Eeyore. It's good. Um,
0: uh, my favorite, uh, one from Winnie the Pooh is, uh, Piglet. I love
1: Piglet. Oh, yeah. Piglet's very nice.
0: Would be, do you have a pick for song or album from this year that you really love? Um, do
1: you know what? I've just been listening to today. It's, it's only just come out, but it's the new Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's album. Um, I can't remember mm-hmm. what it's called, though. But I do remember there was a song called um, Burning, which... that's
0: a good one
1: but um yeah the new yeah 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 so what's it called uh it's called cool it down um it's the album and like yeah man it's excellent it's like it's sort of i do love their earlier stuff where they were just going sort of like really frantic really fast-paced um sort of punky this is more like epic slow but it's sort of dirty and sleazy at the same time and I mean, sort of Karen o, her vocals um, are just wonderful. and Yeah, yeah, it's a great album.
0: Um, yeah, my favorite one that I've heard so far because I've um, just been kind of listening to the singles um, is the one with Perfume Genius. That was, I think, the first one they released. That one was really good. But yeah, I like Burning as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's wicked. Um, and also, I think they brought it out this year, but it was uh, Big Thief's new one.
0: Mm, yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. brilliant yeah what was your favorite book as a kid
1: um oh lord of the rings like yeah i absolutely loved lord of the rings um so yeah like i i think my mum read it to me when i was still in primary school and then it was like one of the first big books that i read when i got to like secondary school And like i was dyslexic as well so i had to really persevere with it but yeah yeah it was um it was a big one for me
0: and um i always end on this yeah. what is up next for you anything that you would like to say
1: um well yeah so the the singles coming out on halloween which depending on when this comes out is either going to be the future or the past um and the videos out. Well. nice <laughs> well thank you for that and um yeah dude and then i guess it's sort of slowly getting back to touring so um i do have a gig in Leeds but I think that'll probably be the past when this comes out so but yeah I'd love to work out a way to get back on the road particularly in like Germany and places like that that I've not been to in so long um but yeah it's just more singles new album that's going to be next for me
0: yeah yeah it was lovely Thanks for listening. And like always stay tuned for new episodes as they will continue to be released. Just not at a set schedule. Be sure to like share and subscribe tweet me as well. Most importantly, don't forget to check out Ralph's new single death falls in love as well as his other music. I've included any important links mentioned in this episode in the episode subscription box And happy Halloween, folks. Stay safe out there. This has been the Reclusive Blogger Interviews.